When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of She Said. Why is sexual harassment so pervasive and so hard to address? Let's interrogate the whole system. Hi, my name is Jody Cantor. I'm an investigative reporter for The New York Times. What have you got? I was told that the wrongdoing in Hollywood is overwhelming. I don't want to be quoted. Period. Understood. In your previous stories, how did you persuade women to tell you what had happened to them? A case I made was, I can't change what happened to you in the past, but together we may be able to help protect other people. The truth, basically. What is it exactly that we're looking at here? These young women walked into what they all had reason to believe were business meetings. I can still see it, the hotel room, the floor plan. He kept trying to touch me. I asked him to leave me alone. Instead, they say he met them with threats and sexual demands. I was young, scared. Hi. We're from the New York Times. I believe you used to work for Harvey Weinstein. People have tried to write this story before. He kills it every time. Harvey adamantly denies any allegation of assault. He played people. He was a master manipulator. Will you give me just one chance to talk to you? Are you sure that this isn't just young women who want to sleep with a movie producer to try to get ahead? This is bigger than Weinstein. This is about the system protecting abusers. The women who receive these settlements, they can't speak out. They'll be sued if they do. But if someone could speak freely about the payouts... What payouts, John? You have to imagine that every call you make is being recorded and you're being followed. Can you imagine how many Harveys there are out there? You want to get me killed. Do you wish you hadn't signed up for this story? Do you? No. The only way these women are going to go on the record is if they all jump together. We're all here, Harvey. Who have you talked to? I have three daughters, and I don't want them to ever accept abuse or bullying. I'll go on the record. Go write. It's time to write. This is all going to come out. I was silenced. I want my voice back. 
Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for She Said, and the story is as follows. The New York Times journalists Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor publish a report that exposes sexual abuse allegations against powerful Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. The shocking story also serves as a launching pad for the Me Too movement, shattering decades of silence around the subject of sexual assault and harassment. The film is starring Carrie Mulligan, Zoe Kazan, Patricia Clarkson, Andre Brower, Samantha Morton, Tom Pelfrey, Adam Shapiro, Jennifer Ailey, Peter Friedman, and Mike Houston. It is directed by Maria Schrader and written by Rebecca Lenkwitz. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek. Hello, everyone. Lauren LaMagna. Hello. And Dan Baer. What did Gwyneth say about me? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was certainly a way to start this one off. Um, it's wild, right? Because we all lived through this fairly recently. I mean, NBP was even still around when uh, the story of this broke. And I remember having our weekly podcast shows talking about this and really wrapping our heads around what was ultimately happening and trying to get a hold on how this kind of a reckoning is something that could take so long to come to light for Hollywood. And why did it all of a sudden come out now when for decades, this kind of behavior was seen behind closed doors as quote unquote acceptable. And so the movie in a lot of ways, I think has both an uphill battle and also to a very interesting uh, pathway here in regards to its award season trajectory, but we'll get into that a little bit more in terms of just a movie in general showcasing female journalists, almost like, um, you know, like a female, all the president's men in a way. Um, I think that bringing on a female director, female writer and having the story uh, respectfully be told uh, as it is here is something that uh, definitely needs to be talked about and openly discussed amongst the mainstream audience. Because I do think that even though this, you know, like I said, recent story made headlines and got people talking, in many ways, it feels like our society is already sort of forgetting. And we are kind of starting to backslide a little bit on some of the actions that were taken uh, in the wake of the Me Too movement to try and create progress for uh, safer work environments. It just feels like cancel culture and everything else every day is being talked about in a way where it's diminished. And so I think the importance of She Said is one that is hopefully going to bring about uh, another wave of discussion about this and hopefully keep it in people's consciousness uh, because we can't go back. Uh, we can't ever really go back to the way things once were, uh, and we can't condone it either. So I'm happy that this movie exists. I'm happy that another film about journalism and the hard work ethic of people on the ground uh, doing the hard, the hard work to create real impact and change is out there in the world for us to discuss. And who better to kick us off here than our very own journalist, Emma Sasek. <laughs> Emma, what did you think of She Said? Well, I was saying to this little group before we joined on that this is one of the more accurate representations of what it's like to be a print journalist because your phone is ringing all the time, whether you want it to or not. You are obsessing over trying to track down someone, hoping that they will talk to you. And then when you do see their name 
come across your phone, you're just like, oh my God, is this about to be it? Whether it's a huge story such as this or kind of even the smallest thing, you usually have an editor kind of breathing down on you saying, we need to get this in by deadline. (laughs) So I very much appreciated just the ambience ambience that this set in terms of what it's like to be in an office with other journalists and just the high pressure that we feel at all times. So they very much nailed it in that regard. But I absolutely remember when this story dropped in 2017 and what it was like to just like, I just remember like basically like reading a single sentence from every, excuse me, every single word from every single sentence, like trying to take this all in because it was, you know, so heartbreaking to read these women's accounts, um, but also very triumphant in seeing that they did open up and share these horrible stories that happened to them and recalled all of these moments that I'm sure many of them wanted to just forget about, but also you know, wanted to do something about. So seeing this movie come out, uh, seeing how respectfully and how carefully it did treat these stories and the interviews that these women went through, um, I'm very, very happy with how all of that turned out. It shows you how important it is to have a female-led team behind the scenes when it comes to handling subject matters such as this. So I love the directing that Maria Schrader accomplished here. I absolutely love the the carefully written dialogue by Rebecca Linkwitz. And of course, the truly wonderful performances from Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan as these reporters who are in it every step of the way, who, uh, despite having so many complicating moments in their own personal lives with being working mothers they're still so dedicated to bringing this story to light and to doing justice and I just love it I love that this is a modern representation of uh, being a working woman and being especially a working journalist and how passionate we are about telling stories and telling them right and I love that it shows you know, just all of those steps, including trying to get uh, some response from the Weinstein team, because it's a very, very much a huge story and you can't publish without that. So I really enjoyed that aspect as well. So I really feel like they got it right in terms of capturing what it's like being a journalist. And they definitely got it right in terms of handling this story. So I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. All right. Dan Baer, how about yourself? What did you think of She Said? Whenever I think about this movie, I just the same word keeps coming to mind, and that is solid. <laughs> it is just like solidly built, solidly constructed all the way around. Everything that Emma said was were also things that I liked about it. I think this is a very business-like movie about very business-like people, but it does still leave room for the kind of artistry that can elevate a film above being, you know, quote unquote, just another journalism movie or whatever other adjectives you want to ascribe to it. I think that Maria Schrader does exactly what I would have hoped she would do, which is provide other focus and context outside of the Harvey of it all. 
while still like being merciless in the scenes where we do have to focus on him and his actions. There are so many little grace notes throughout the movie that I just loved. I loved how it showed um, Carrie Mulligan's character, Megan, dealing with a postpartum depression and how all the women in this movie just sort of come to each other and immediately understand and help each other most of the time, except for, you know, the um, people who turn down <laughs> um, the journalists, the thing they don't want to talk about it or just push them away or whatever. But for the most part, I just thought this film's sense of community and solidarity is so enriching, so heartening to see. I'm not sure it's it's a great film, but it's really, really strong, really good. Um, I do kind of, there we'll get to this later. There's one sequence towards the end that I wish they had ended on instead of ending it the way they did. But otherwise, I think this is just one of the most solidly built films of the year. Keeps everything moving, good pace, not too long unlike a lot of other movies this year. Yep. And just all of the performances all around from the smallest bit part to the two leads are just really, really well done. Okay, Lauren LaMagna, we're up to you. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everyone here. Um, like Emma said, I remember when this case broke. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. But I was in college and I was working for my school newspaper. So I, we were in the newsroom, like going over this article line by line, as Emma said, just like understanding the magnitude of it. And then you remember like the subsequent weeks when you would just like watch CNN or scroll through Instagram when you saw an actress post something, you kind of held your breath because you knew that she was probably going to mention that something like this also happened to her. So it was this crazy whirlwind of time and everyone was kind of connecting this case to, you know, the workplace again, being in college, we kind of connected it back to fraternity life and how it was not just Hollywood, but it was the entire world and kind of an unfortunate parallel with just the female existence. But I think that this film, again, like Dan said, it's very strong and it's very to the point, which I think is the right choice for a film of this subject matter. At this current time, it's only been a couple of years since the story published and kind of took the world by storm. But I think this film is really amazing. I love um, journalism and investigating reporting. It's a great peek behind the newspaper of how hard and long it takes to get a story of this magnitude in print and how the reporters are not just vehicles to get a published. They're also, you know, their sources, therapists, and their companions through the entire process. And I really loved that um, element of the film. I understand that, again, the film is not really supposed to highlight the journalists. They're more of a vehicle to get the story published, which, again, makes sense for the film, that we're more about the story as opposed to the characters within it. But this film is really, I think, the... Um, definition of the line there are no small parts just small actors because there are big big actors here i don't think there's a weak link and we're going to talk about this further in the podcast but there are so many big actors and some one or two scene wonders that really do make the film for me and it's i think a really strong film a really important film and i just love how it's a good snapshot in 
what it's like to be an investigative reporter and how hard and grueling and worth it it is to develop a piece with this magnitude. So I'm really glad it's here, and I just can't wait to discuss more of it. Yeah, I echo a lot of what's been said here uh, so far. I'm with Dan in that I think the subject matter is extremely important. And as I said at the top of the show here, I'm glad that it is getting a resurgence, a resurgence, if you will, in the just talking space uh, so that this way we can bring back to light what happened here and how important it was, too, for creating real change, not just in within the Hollywood industry, but across all industries as well. And I just think that, you know, time and time again, I've seen all these different news stories of people just not believing women. And it it's soul crushing because you would think that we would know better post-2017. And so I, I think that the film itself is super important to exist. The movie itself... I think that there are some really strong elements at play here. The acting, as mentioned before, is pretty flawless from top to bottom. I think that the uh, showcase of investigative journalism, as Emma pointed out before, feels very lived in. It feels very accurate. It also goes to great lengths to show how painstakingly hard and grueling it can be, especially, as Lauren just said, a story of this magnitude. This does not happen overnight. This is weeks of rejected phone calls, trying to show compassion and empathy to get somebody to go on the record and tell their story. It's really, really tough stuff. And I'm glad that the movie uh, takes its time in showing how that all comes to be. There's a lot of earnest emotion here that you would expect with a story like this. But I can't, I cannot help but feel like where it ends and Kind of the lasting feeling that the movie imparts on you, for me, was lacking a little bit. And I'll get into the reasons as to why, uh, but ultimately, I I think it's a good movie at times, a very good movie, but it never approached a level of great movie for me. I think that, you know, one of the things that hinders it, like, kind of consistently throughout was I thought the editing was pretty clunky. And I didn't think it was actually properly paced at times. And I'll I'll get into some more specific details about that in a little bit here. Uh, But what really carried me through were the performances, Uh, not just from the two leads, but as Lauren said, uh, the entire ensemble, even some people who show up for a scene or two. uh, You have someone like Samantha Morton, who comes in at one point and just, I, I think, like, completely steals that entire section of the movie. Uh, Jennifer Ailey, I think, is also really fantastic in this uh, all throughout. I mean, there's some really, really great work being done here. I I just wish that um, all these individual pieces were able to add up to what I could consider to be an all-timer of a film. Like, within the genre of great journalism movies, it's close to the top, but it's not... It's not near the top, but it's also above mid-tier. I'm not going to say sit here and say this movie's average or one of the worst or anything like that at all. It's like somewhere between average and great, you know, just in the very, as Dan said, it's solid. Uh, but let's start off with those performances. I, I, I think that's maybe the film's uh, strongest aspect here. Uh, who was a standout for you? And, oh, you know, did you feel that anybody could have used a little bit more screen time to flesh out their characters? Uh, what did we all think here? 
This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. For myself, I really loved Carrie Mulligan in this film. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, we got a great performance from her as a journalist and somebody who is really after it and, you know, is making those tough phone calls and really stands up for herself in any situation that she finds herself in, whether it's, you know, trying to uh, speak with these women and make them feel comfortable enough sharing their stories, or if it's in a conference room with Weinstein and his lawyers and team just constantly yelling and shouting and throwing all these different things in there. I felt she was very solid as in that role. And then as, um, you know, showing her struggles postpartum and um, what it's like to you know, not feel 100% after you give birth and everybody around you is so excited and you at the end of the day, you're just like, this is so hard for me. And I, I kind of wish that they did play up a little bit more of that, especially more um, uh, later on into the film. I feel like that story kind of disappears a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I do understand, you know, there is there's only so much they can do. <laughs> I was gonna say, like if I if I may with something like that, that's like an example of what I was saying before, where it feels like not just that, but there are other several side plots that get established and they don't come to a full resolution by the end. The main story of publishing the story about Harvey Weinstein gets its resolution but I feel like there are all these other little moments of character development, specifically from Mulligan and uh, Zoe Kazan, and we never actually see those moments of them at home uh, interacting with their uh, family members. Like, I, I never felt like the movie ever gave any uh, resolution to those. And I mean, you know, especially with Carrie Mulligan's character struggling with postpartum depression, that's not something that changes overnight. So, you know, maybe it was just... We introduced it. We see that she is struggling with it. It is kind of going to continue being a bit of a struggle. And yeah. so hopefully, hopefully she, you know, comes out on the other side at some point. Yeah, I think those side plots, like you said, Matt, are kind of, they're really there for flavor. You know, mm -hmm. they're not the yeah. main story. They're not meant to be resolved. I mean, we're only following these people through this particular investigation. Yeah. And so it didn't bother me that they, you know, didn't feel resolved or we didn't get enough or blah, 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 whatever, because they just felt like they're there to, you know, give a little bit of flavor to the main story. The one thing that I did think was a, um, that I think could have been done better with this is a thing that I have with a lot of journalism movies is that the um, the passage of time in between scenes kind of felt like it got sacrificed a little for the sake of forward momentum and pushing the story along and making sure that it's entertaining and easy to follow and goes by quickly. But there is a certain point when I realized like, oh my God, like this is all taking place over such a long time 
time and how long it has taken them to get this far. So you would have like preferred um, some title cards, like maybe saying what month it was or something like that. Just kind of yeah, help I us mean, along. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you know, it doesn't have to be such so um, obvious as title cards. I sure. guess like of something in the dialogue, maybe or maybe a calendar in the background or something. But I also kind of lay this at the feet of the editing a little bit, too. Yeah, a little. A little. Yeah. I mean, I would say like the first 15 minutes or so, it, it took me a little while to get on the film's uh, rhythm, if you will. Mm. And then and then eventually it does settle in. And I do think it gets a little bit more comfortable with its pacing. Uh, but then there are other elements sometimes where I'm like, why would you cut on that moment to this scene when this scene was about like – especially like I remember specifically there's one moment with Carrie Mulligan uh with her with her uh post-depression where she is at home and I I just found the cut to be so jarring um but there are some other like specific examples thrown out here I'm not going to get like so nitpicky about it necessarily but on the whole um I, I I did find that the pacing of the film kind of felt I don't know I don't want to say rushed because I know that they did have time to complete this uh, before its premiere at New York Film Festival so I don't really know I don't know what it was about the pacing of this film that it didn't quite work for me as some other journalism films have uh, before but going back to the performances though (laughs) (laughs) yeah just to piggyback off of that I remember like Dan and I were kind of using Carrie Mulligan's pregnancy slash baby to determine passage of time because she's not showing then she has the baby and then the baby's like six months old I guess when the film ends so like we were kind of using that as the passage of time but Mm -hmm. what you said in regards to you know her postpartum depression not getting resolved I didn't really what I looked at it is more of um Carrie Mulligan's confidence in publishing a piece like this gets resolved that's kind of her character's start and finish and story arc in general because she starts off with publishing a piece like this that does absolutely nothing it her source's life gets worse no one really does anything about it and then she has the child wants to get back to work and then is immediately offered to help out with this case and she's kind of thinking about is this gonna matter am I gonna put more people more real people who went through a horrible experience put them in a public setting and potentially make their lives worse and do nothing about it so to see her as a journalist kind of get her mojo back in that arena and actually believe in it and do something that actually does do a great deal was something that was really fulfilling for me as a character because mm-hmm. again I understand the point and I kind of like the idea and the choice that the team made about this film that these characters were their vessels for the story we're not really interested or we're not going to explain their lives outside of the workplace they're just here to publish the story and we're going to watch them from the beginning to hitting publish. And I, I like that, especially with the case that is so new and so fresh as, you know, a five to six year old article. I really love that you brought that up, Lauren, in terms of, you know, the aftermath of her first article, which was centered on sexual assault allegations against then president uh donald trump or candidate Mm -hmm, for the presidency and yeah that woman who came forward just uh her she can't leave the house because there are news crews all around her um 
and then yeah you sometimes do question you know with this profession like is this is this worth it is this worth shaking up one everything and everyone's lives around you but it was really really cool to see that process especially as they started hearing these stories and seeing that it extends far beyond just you know one or two people it's a whole system it's a whole group of people who have just continued to keep hush hush about this stuff so that was a very very cool journey to watch i think about that a lot in journalism movies all the time about how People are really scared to go on the record because of intimidation, because of harassment, potential lawsuits. And yet, in most stories that we see, they ultimately come to the decision of knowing that the truth is more important and that this needs to be told. And somebody does eventually go on the record and is brave enough to put themselves out there. A lot of times, though, the movies then don't explore the aftermath of the consequences of doing that because a lot of times those lawsuits do happen and the intimidation does happen. And the people that are in power that don't want these stories to get out, they do retaliate, which is really sad in a lot of these instances. Um, I feel like with this movie in particular, even though the movie is not exploring that aftermath, that threat is a very convincing one that is established all throughout and I think exemplified very well through the performances here. Uh, The fear and the hesitancy that uh, some of these women are showcasing here through their really, really great screen acting is extremely believable and I think poses a a great conflict uh, to our two main journalists here especially in the absence of a straight-up antagonist, because we never see Harvey Weinstein as a character in this movie. I mean, like, there's a there's an actor, and we do see a body, but you, they never show his face, which I, I love that decision. And yes, he has dialogue, but like I said, you never see his face. It's usually either over the phone or something like that. And so in absence of having, like, that straight-up villainous character of it you can see the threat that he poses is something that i i thought the movie did a really great job of using throughout um as an obstacle for these characters to all overcome absolutely i mean you feel his presence throughout sort of looming over everything yeah which is important because i think they don't show the assaults which i think is absolutely the right choice absolutely that all the one audio recording that they chose to show though or or play for us to listen to mm-hmm. i mean the re- the real audio i mean like that was that was har- harrowing enough yeah. to just hear and recount that yeah. and yeah it was very much a very respectful choice not to go into those scenes because these women don't need to be reminded of that, nor any woman who has ever been put remotely in that position. And I think that it's a powerful choice to not show that, but to show the aftermath because so many movies I think do like, they want to put you in that sort of visceral space where you're seeing like, Oh, how horrible this must've been to experience. But what this movie is focused on is what happens 
after. I don't know why more filmmakers don't subscribe to the idea that if you don't show something and leave it up to the audience imagination, that can be just as powerful, if not even more powerful, because our minds are doing the work to fill in those gaps. Literally, less is more. Yeah. Show, don't tell. Right. <laughs> the basic rules of storytelling. Come and on, then you're And then you're... <laughs> Pairing it with fantastic actors like Samantha Morton, Jennifer Frail, oh. their scenes carry it. They know what they have to do, and they are just putting so much energy and so much emotion into monologues, basically. And they're yeah. just filling up the room where you understand what these women, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago, what those characters went through and the mm-hmm. weight that they've been carrying since those events. So those, again, one scene, two scene wonders, huge actors, huge footprints. And those scenes really do linger on throughout the film after they happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the film is called She Said. So, you know, I love that these women got truly f- like five, 10 minutes plus worth of just them being able to talk being able to share this worst, the worst thing that ever could have happened to them, to anybody in the world. And, you know, our attention is just solely on them and seeing them and hearing them for the first time ever, you know, at that time in their life, like um, uh, Rowena Chu, who admitted in the film, she had never spoken about it to anybody, neither her parents nor her uh, husband. And, you know, the the woman that she worked with at the um, Venice Film Festival was the only other person at that time who had known about this. So to hear that for the first time, to have somebody open up like that was just so impactful and so powerful. Her husband's reaction to that moment, too. Oh, mm-hmm. That's like one of the most memorable scenes in the movie for me, because Zoe's not talking directly with her. She's trying to find her and she can't. And when that bombshell, no pun intended, uh, information gets dropped on him there. And the look on Zoe Kazan's face when she realizes, yep. like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? Yeah. It's oh, she she is. So everyone is talking about Carrie Mulligan in this movie. But Zoe Kazan, like does not get nearly enough credit as an actress. I think she is so good in this. I agree with you, but I also think too that the uh, the screenplay doesn't afford her uh, the same quote-unquote showy scenes that it gives to Mulligan. And I, I, I think that, you know, this is not a knock on Zoe. I just don't think that she gets the same amount of material. She gets equal amount of screen time to to you know to mulligan but i think mulligan she's got the scene where she uh tells the guy that's hitting on her at the bar to go fuck himself and mm-hmm. she's got Which, these what a glorious moment oh i love yeah, a great moment <laughs> amazing <laughs> it's I so great just the introvert versus the extrovert characters right there yeah. i think, I think yeah. zoe sand so. just plays a more introverted character she's a quieter character whereas carrie she's more of this warrior type character and she does have these great moments too where she gets to you know listen to the victims tell their stories or the survivors like tell their stories and she gets to be empathetic especially in the scene um in queens i think where she's talking about how to get around an nda which i really love love that Mm. scene yes that was a great scene and i love just the way journalists can swing that but Kazan, it's very much a quiet, um, observational type approach, which I love. I love, you know, where you could see an actor work just within their face and just see behind their eyes. 
But it's it's quiet if she doesn't get those screamy moments because that's just not what the character is doing. Right. But and, yeah, I think yeah. she's great no matter what. Agreed. And it's still another very good representation of being a journalist in that kind of situation because sometimes you just have to sit back and take in every single word and just let that source open up as much as they want. So I do appreciate a lot of those scenes. And I really, my favorite one that I feel like showcased a really great moment from Zoe was um, listening, her sitting with Jennifer L at um, that seaside area in, in England. Oh my God. That was just, you know, just seeing that, like the mascara tear kind of the, a tear that left a mascara residue come down her face. I mean, that just kind of says it all because what what can you do aside from just full on cry hearing stuff like this? I love the scene where she is uh, FaceTiming with her daughter oh, and yeah. she like tries to like avoid yeah. talking about what she's doing, but she wants to, but she like she's like, no, she's too young to like have to to fully understand and to have to deal with this. It's, I just think the layers that she was working with was really, really well done. And can we yeah, talk about Jennifer Ellie, please? Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, she was fabulous in this film. Every single scene that she's in. I, I was actually happy that she got, you know, more than one scene. They, like, yeah. There were some of her actresses in this who pop up for just one scene, but Ailey, they kept com- they kept returning to her because she mm-hmm. actually turned out to be a key component for why this story was able to, to be published. So as you're watching the film, you think, oh, I, I, actually, at first, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even realize it was Jennifer Ailey at first. Um, <laughs> Matthew. No, I... No, it's a fun game of like let's find the character actors and right. Yeah. <laughs> Second scene around, I was like, oh, that's Jennifer Ailey. Okay, yeah. And then I'm like, and then she got a third scene, and then I was like, oh, and, and uh, you know me, you know you guys know I'm always on the lookout for okay, who's going to emerge as an award yeah. season contender here? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Jennifer Ailey's getting some great material here, and she's knocking it out of the park. And I absolutely loved Samantha Morton too uh, in that yes. cafe Killed scene. That scene. My God. Honestly, that might be the best scene in the entire movie. I think it is. So good. That is so, like, well well captured in, like, every ounce of the word. <laughs> I mean, Samantha Morton, queen of the one-and-done scene of 2022. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for those of you who haven't seen The Whale yet, she does a similar thing where she shows up, she wrecks everything in her path, and then she just leaves, and it's like, bravo to you. <laughs> Honestly, yes. The, the barely contained rage within her that is just like simmering to boiling over and how she's like basically kind of testing her a little bit. She's like everyone, you know, they've tried to run the story before. He kills it every time. Why should I trust you now with this information? It's so, so good. And she makes her feel like a very specific person, not some like generic character and in what might be one of the most surprising meta moments of the year uh ashley judd oh man is played by ashley judd what a queen. in this movie a literal queen really? i i don't know about you all but when i first saw the film at nyff complete surprise had yeah, no idea surprise mm-hmm. and that she kept and she comes back, I think, for she's in two scenes or three scenes. Something like that, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, 
I remember when they first pulled out, I'm like, God damn it, like whoever is doing this Ashley Judd voice is really good. <laughs> and then they like pull back to show like it's actually her, and I'm like, oh, oh my god. Yeah. Can 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 I just say really quick that the voice phone acting in this movie is incredible. Top notch. It's like it really is. they didn't get the they didn't get the actual people, I'm sure. Although I'm still wondering if that really was Rose McGowan or not. I have no I idea. Actually, I actually looked at it on IMDb. It's not. Oh, okay. Voice. They don't <laughs> not say, however, who gives the voice of Gwyneth Paltrow. So. Oh. Yeah. But like, know. but like whoever they did to get everyone from the women to even Trump, Weinstein, like all these like people that we all know and have familiarity with. I was so fully convinced. I, I like I did not hear a false note in or pitch yeah. at all in any one of these phone conversations. I was like, "Holy shit, that is uncanny!" <laughs> yeah, great, great, great. And it just helps with the uh, selling the authenticity of the story, which I have to admit, I, I was. I don't know if this if this happened to any of you at all during your screenings. Sometimes when the movie did introduce um, a famous name and, you know, or, or name dropped somebody or we heard their voice over the phone, uh, sometimes the audience snickered a little bit and laughed, you know, got a little like giddy. I, I don't know. Did that happen with any of you all? I mean, it was just the Gwyneth Paltrow bit because I was repeated <laughs> over and over again because Weinstein's obsessed <laughs> with her. Yeah. But otherwise... No, but like, again, but the Paltrow that was used specifically to kind of make it a bit because I can't help but feel like deep down, she probably wanted to be in this movie like Ashley Judd, but maybe scheduling prevented her because they do use uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's name. I, I like the most in this movie. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot. I, I kept wondering how much of that is a reflection of just him being completely unreasonably obsessed with her. It, it almost borders on parody at certain points. Um, like that, like that one conference uh, call that he has where what did Gwen oh say? Yeah, they were like, she's not in the piece. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but what did she say? And, and he won't drop it. <laughs> I, um, in my screening, I did not have any reaction such as that. I only had a woman a row ahead of me who was filing her nails very loudly. So so <laughs> she was like filing her nails ready to like i don't know do what with but she's going after Have a fight all yeah she's ready to fight every man but i will say that watching this at like new york film fest uh when the movie was over second to only maybe brendan frazier this year uh ashley judd got like the most enthusiastic uh yeah ovation i've heard I mean, uh this year she deserves it. I mean, she, not just this film, but just being involved with this from the start and seeing it over these last five, six years at this point, you know, what Me Too, Time's Up, all of these movements have done. I mean, she absolutely does deserve that applause and some bit of, I don't even know, grace from an industry that obviously entirely shut her out after after yeah. these things yeah I, I wish that we had gotten um more of that scene where she decides to be part of the piece just because like in, in one way like i'm selfish because like i if i believe that if she had had that like one really killer scene she probably could have gotten an oscar nomination <laughs> but also like I, I kind of wanted that moment where it's just her. And I know that like the we're seeing most of this, it's through the eyes of the journalists. 
but I I did kind of want that moment of her being like the not the main character, but a protagonist in her own story. I do respect, though, how gracious she is, though, of knowing that the story is bigger than her and I don't want to make it about me. Yeah, I think that's maybe a deliberate choice on 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 her part and her involvement in the story. But I I could very easily see once they knew that they had her and she signed on them maybe wanting to write more material for her and her being like, no, 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 no. I don't want to make this about me. Yeah, this is about all the, the countless other women uh, collectively. And I, I want that. I, I want people to be talking about that when they walk away from this. I At least I imagine, you know, but uh, two characters in this movie who I really enjoyed and I wish we had gotten more of uh, are Patricia Clarkson and Andre Brower. Uh, Patricia Clarkson playing uh, the New York Times editor uh, Rebecca Corbett and Andre Brower as this no-nonsense executive editor uh, Dean uh, Backwet. And like Andre Brower in particular, <laughs> the deadpan delivery uh, yes. like during some of these phone uh, scenes with Harvey, like, Harvey, I've got a newspaper to run. You have until two o'clock to get back to me. <laughs> like, the literal yeah. embodiment of like New York Times investigative reporter editor, yeah. no nonsense, no bullshit. I am doing my job. Goodbye. And it was just like, that's how you do it. Like the most New York thing ever. And it was yeah. great. I adored it so much. So <laughs> I wanted good. I wanted an entire like just short film of, about his life essentially. <laughs> it was too funny to me. But like Clarkson too. I god, I just wish she had more to do in this. I really do. I I enjoy her presence. I think that she her conversations that she has with um with Jody and Megan here um I I really enjoyed every moment that she was on screen and as Emma was saying before, watching the inner workings of that relationship from journalist to editor and understanding like those conversations that take place to formulate a story. Um, I just wish that, you know, she could have been given a little bit more to do either as a character or even just, uh, um, you know, a knockout scene for her as an actress. Otherwise I just felt like she was kind of just there. Listen, Sometimes editors, you know, the reporters are the ones who are like leading the charge in stories. The editors are there to back them up and, you know, help them through the process. So I thought that that was like a really well, it was very accurate. Again, yeah. <laughs> very accurate in terms of, you know, the editors, they've done their, they've done their work over the years. They've moved on to that position to service like that, uh, you know, that advising point, the person who you can speak with and bounce ideas off of it. So I, I thought it was really, you know, great, greatly done with what Patricia had. Yeah. I thought that the role was perfect and she, I felt the, like the support, but deadlines, and accuracy and also i was living for the miranda Priestley realness of the (laughs) hair choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah just another pillar to support the story and it's really evident towards the end where they're all working together to make sure it's perfect and ready to go you're just seeing all of these different acts trying to support this massive ship and i just love seeing how that's done and the different roles people play to get an article on the web or in print. And I think she did a good job. And as Emma said, if it's accurate, I power to it. One of my favorite types of stories, uh, whether it's um, 
I don't know, whether it's like a, a space story told from the perspective of like NASA or uh, something like this. I, I like seeing stories of collaboration. I like seeing stories where it's a group of people all working together towards a single goal. And when you see how complex and intricately layered uh, and how many obstacles are placed in front of these characters to obtain that goal, th- those those kinds of stories for me uh, t- tend to be the most riveting. And I think it also is, you know, I, I experienced this like also earlier this year with um, uh, Ron Howard's like 13 Lives, where you just have groups of people all collectively coming together to achieve this singular goal. And by the time you get to the end of it, you feel the weight of that sense of accomplishment and you're left then as an audience member going, isn't it incredible like what humanity can accomplish when we all just work together and we're at the top of our game? And that is like the impact that one feels when they watch these said because you, we know, because like I said, it's so recent and we just went through it only a few years ago it created such a huge, enormous impact. Literally everyone was was talking about it and it spread beyond Hollywood into every industry, essentially. The thing that really I love about specifically what I think this movie did very well in terms of that is showing that, yes, this was a huge accomplishment and congratulations to all these women and, you know, power to them but this is a job and they're going to go back to that new york times office the next day and work on the next story Mm -hmm. and they have lives that are happening outside of this that are going to you know give them help and trouble as these things go and like this is this is not the end of this the end of this story is not the end of their story that is something that i do want to like kind of touch on though here which is I, I did wrestle with this quite a bit after the film was over. Dan, Lauren, you guys know, we talked about it after we all watched it at New York Film Festival. The movie ends with the publication of the story, and we don't really see any fallout. Uh, instead, the movie elects to show you know text over black and kind of recapping like the fallout of the publication of the story. And also, too, as Dan was saying, the story is not over. Even now, we're still getting news updates about the Harvey Weinstein trial, uh, which has been going on in the years since then as a result of the fallout of this. But I, I, I did kind of wrestle with this feeling of, is the movie treating the fall of Weinstein as job well done, the evil is defeated, it's a happy day, and look at, look at what a great thing we accomplished? Or is the film instead doing uh, what what I think it should have done, and I don't think it successfully does, which is saying, yes, we got him, but this is still an ongoing issue, and this is just the battle. This is not the end of the war. See, and that is exactly what I thought this movie did. I, I don't think it was very, you know, patting everybody on the back and good job we got him and the evil is defeated i i really did not get that sense i got the sense like I didn't either yes mm-hmm. we got him and can you you see how difficult it was to get this guy mm-hmm. who is basically an open secret 
And they talk throughout the movie about how there are, you know, this is in all industries and all of them have a story mm-hmm. and, you know, all of them have their own personal stories about dealing with this kind of issue. And we see it, you know, little micro things and like how people treat Carrie Mulligan after she's had a child yeah, and all these things. And, you know, uh, Zoe Kazan's character, you know, going through it with her daughter I, I think the movie does a good job of contextualizing this story within the larger world. And, and not to mention, they like started off, you know, talking about in a huge group setting, like we want to investigate sexual assaults, like the allegations the that happen in, work, yeah, in the, the workplace. workplace. This is just the one that they chose to focus on yeah. you know, for this film. But mm-hmm. it's evident with Carrie Mulligan's story at the beginning of the film that there was there was one example of it. And we've seen so many other countless examples be brought to light afterward. Yeah, I think they're kind of using the fact that it is relatively recent history and we do know the fallout to shortcut a little bit of some of that because like we now know that this played a very large part in moving this movement forward. But I think that the, the end titles with she said, and all those different languages, I think that was a very powerful moment to say like, this is not just Harvey. This is not just Hollywood. This is not just America. This is around the world. And I thought it was in keeping with the rest of this movie, like a rather graceful, uh, subtle way of saying that. I think that for me, I I just, on a personal level, I I feel like I've seen with things like Brett Kavanaugh and a couple of other recent examples in the years since the Me Too movement. I think I just personally wanted this story to have a more... Not somber, but almost bittersweetness to it. Um, it instead of a more triumph, what felt like a more triumphant moment. At, at least that's how it came across to me. It's so it's so interesting that you felt that because I really didn't feel like it was bittersweet. I, well, I will yeah. say this: the yeah. end titles, the end titles are doing a lot of work to lighten that for me. But I feel like in the moments leading up to them hitting publish, and then that's when the titles come up. I mean- no. There is like no emotion other than all of them like holding their breath as that guy like sends published. Mm -hmm. That's just like we've published this. This is just the beginning of all of this. It is very interesting that you think that because we have seen so many examples of it. And I mean, Matt, it's it's like the end of Dune. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) The end of Dune where Chani is like. You know, this is we're just getting started, basically. No, yeah, they put it out into the world, and now yeah. the world is going to do what the world is going to do with it. And that's and what's going to happen. And, and it's still seen, ongoing. Yeah, we've seen what happened following uh, the publication of the story. All so many, I mean, it says it there like 85 some women came out following that publication. And yeah. we've seen it in so many other workplaces. I mean, I think a month ago, there was that guy who was touting that he had the best workplace of all time. He treated all his employees so well. And then it was uncovered and revealed that that was not the case. So they are out there. Yeah. And it's important to know that we're still under 10 years for this. This is baby fresh, like freshly, freshly fresh. So it's, it's, we gotta, I think this is the only way this film could have ended to have some sort of a bittersweet 
um, feel to it, in my opinion. Like, there was no other way for them to do something like this besides end it with them releasing it and here's what's happening right now. It's not like Spotlight when that article was published, what, in, like, 2001, 2002, 2003-ish? And then the movie came out in, like, what, 2015, 2016? Mm -hmm. It's so early and it's still evolving and we still don't know to the fullest extent what it has done to the full culture yet yeah so i feel like this is the only way this film could have ended and i'm really glad that they made this choice to end it this way yeah i think i'm just very pessimistic (laughs) (laughs) the one thing that i would say is that i i kind of wish that it had ended on there's a really fantastic montage towards the end of the film but not the actual end where the the women who they spoke with we see them in the past picking themselves up after being so depressed and scared and down on themselves in the immediate wake of the abuse that they experienced and we see them pick themselves up and move on with their lives and i thought that that montage was so 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 well done Mm -hmm. and i i i kind of wish that they had ended the movie on that note because like we said like they do such a good job of staying true to and really honoring those women throughout the movie that i wish that they had ended I wish they had ended with them instead of the journalists. But the more that I've thought about it, the more that I feel like that would have been too much of a uh, quote unquote happy ending for this story. Sure. I think that structurally it would have made more sense to me, but I think that is the moment when I felt so like not really like happiness, but like more like a good relief as opposed to the relief that it ends on, which is okay, that's done on to the next thing. I also think too, that this subject matter is obviously so sensitive for millions of people that you can't please everyone, but I give credit to Maria Schrader and Rebecca uh, Lankowitz where I I think they came as close as anyone could possibly get. Like this is extraordinarily I think respectful, honest, and in terms of my own personal like takeaway aside, objectively, I think they did as good of a job as they possibly could have done here, considering how daunting uh, and, and just the weight that this subject matter carries for so many people personally across the world. Bombshell, that, that that movie, I think, tried to do something very similar, but I think this film, like, outclasses it in almost every single way. Uh, with that said, uh, final thoughts here. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.
Emma, we can start off with you. Anything we did mention you want to bring up or reiterate? I mean, I guess if anything, if you have not read the New York Times piece, the New Yorker piece on that was written about this, totally do read the book, she said, and uh, Ronan Farrow's book, Catch and Kill. Um, I've read them. They are all very, very good, very gripping. Um, but you know what? I I just love that there were women behind this film and it shows in terms of how respectably this is covered. Um, and I'm sure definitely made it a more um, just open environment, a very safe environment to go forward with this film and, um, you know, the consult consultation that was probably done in order to bring a lot of these stories to life and all of that. So I, I just really applaud this film for really doing uh such great care to these stories shout out to the cinematographer natasha Breyer as well a female cinematographer who you know is not getting called out enough um i think for her work on this movie but as you said emma in in working with rebecca and maria uh together i i think that they've crafted a film here that is shot and shown and told as respectfully as it possibly could be and again, that cafe scene, I mean, I think that that shows how wonderful the cinematography is in this film. So very, very good job, Natasha. Lauren? I want to say that I really liked the score of this film. We didn't talk about that. Our boy, Nicholas Bertel. Guy knows how to make good music. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It has a really good theme that just kind of supports, again, supports the story in the film throughout. I also really liked... Um, the screenplay i know adapting nonfiction isn't easy and there's really good one-liners in there like i need to write a really good fucking email the amount of times i thought that like <laughs> so yeah yes. good like yes i will use, keep using that line and um i think this is a really great snapshot of what it's like to be an investigative reporter and we you know a lot of us read these nonfiction investigative books and we read these articles but we don't we think we understand how hard it is to put these pieces together and these, you know, a thousand plus words together, but we really don't. And it's a really nice, thorough snapshot of what it takes to do this and the steps and the hoops that one has to jump through in order to get it done. So I really have a better look at what the guys at the New York Times and every other um, big, media, big yeah, media company does. So I'm really glad it's here. And I think it's a, yeah, it's a good snapshot of the time that we're currently living in now, and hopefully it does good for the world. All right. Dan Bear. I think that sometimes us uh, lay people, us non-journalists, can see a lot of these stories and be like, you know, like, sometimes all you have to say is like, I'm with the New York Times, or I'm with the Washington Post, and that just like opens a lot of doors, and I love how this movie was like, eh, not so much. People get freaked out when they hear that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been called by some some of those before to get quoted for supporting a, a story about award Caesar or something like that. I freak out every single time I get a phone call. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be misquoted. Holy shit. <laughs> and, you know, and that's nowhere near the level of vulnerability and also too just uh the exposure that is being given uh with some of these stories here and how much they have to open themselves up uh with 
these terrible experiences that, as was mentioned earlier, some of these women just want to put behind them and don't want to ever have to relive uh, that trauma. Yeah. That's, that's incredibly tough. I have definitely written stories about sexual assault or, you know, other horrible things. It's a lot of pressure put on you in order to get every single word right. So that's why we record our conversations with people's consent for them. And that's why we do this field in order to just share these stories as best as we can. So, you know, something else that I just wanted to quickly mention, this film, you know, reminds me why I'm proud to be a journalist and why I joined this field. So it's a lot of hard work. Uh (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) <laughs> I, I kind of like want to do a little like fist pump moment there for you. Emma. I know, seriously. Hugs, <laughs> Emma. <doing> yeah. <laughs> All the hugs. <laughs> um, the one thing that I really want to shout out because we didn't during the main review is um, my favorite moment in the film when Jennifer Ellie is at home with her kids. She's just learned that she's had breast, she, breast cancer and She's trying to like have a nice evening with her children and her former coworker from Weinstein Company or Miramax or whenever it was calls her to be like, you haven't gotten any phone calls from a reporter, have you? You're not going to talk to them, are you? And she's like, this bitch hangs up. <laughs> And then immediately goes to find uh, Judy Cantor's car. Love it. And calls her. I was like, damn right. You know if they're asking you not to talk, then you should. Mm-hmm. I I absolutely loved that moment so much. And it makes me rather upset, actually, that they're pushing Carrie Mulligan to supporting when she's a co-lead. Because it means that Jennifer Ellie is going to get totally overlooked this season and she is doing such wonderful work in this and she deserves that recognition she has always deserved that recognition to be fair she is always great and no matter what movie and no matter what size world jennifer ellie always delivers the woman understands the assignment always and she is one of our best working actresses more more roles, more great roles for Jennifer Ellie, please. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad that the line, I need to write a good fucking email, was brought up because th- that was a standout Accurate. line in the movie for me, too. <laughs> yes. I was literally like, been there, done that. <laughs> uh, I also want to really just highlight um, Mulligan's compassion when she's talking about what it takes to empathize and get uh, sources to talk. And she's telling this to uh, Zoe Kazan's uh, character, uh, Jody here. And I, I don't know about you all, but I like, like just listening to Mulligan and her talking to her about how she would go about this and how she would tell them that she can't change, like what ultimately happened to them. I don't know about you all, but I think at that point, if, if Mulligan was ever like interrogating me or trying to get me to go on the record, I would just be like, yes, <laughs> like I trust you. I'm I'm wholly I'm wholly there. Um, she just has like a, a softness about her in these uh, scenes that uh, really uh, shine through uh, contrasted with, as we mentioned before, uh, some of these more uh, emotional scenes uh, that she has as well. And I think it's a really strong performance from her. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like one of her 
best, but I think both her and Zoe Kazan are really good in this. Another thing, too, I want to uh, bring up is uh, Bertel's score again. In the film itself, it didn't really, like, stand out to me. I thought it was good, um, but I wasn't, like, blown away by it like I was for uh, some of his really great film scores. But I was listening to it as a standalone uh, at home. The soundtrack just dropped uh, this weekend. And, uh, and I did catch the film a second time as well and uh, got to pay uh, more close attention to it on a second and uh, viewing. And... It, it's 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 still good. I, I I wouldn't like I said go so far as to say it's it's if Beale Street could talk, but still very good. The guy doesn't miss. And then I think that's pretty much it. Oh, um, I think we mentioned this before, but the scene of the audio of Weinstein attempting to lure uh, Ambra uh, Gutierrez into the room and just only showing the shots of like the empty shots of the hotel hallway where the interaction took place, chilling absolutely soul crushing I, I mean people were crying uh in the theater uh during th- that scene and and a, a bunch of others too it's a very emotional experience i think for a lot of people uh watching this and, and on a very personal level too that was so hard to listen to that one in particular yeah. you can just hear she does not want to be there whatsoever and there's just no there's just no end to it and he's so desperate mm-hmm that's the thing that I really took away with. He's just so desperately trying to get her. And I'm like, dude, take a freaking hint. Yeah. So, oh, wait, one one last thing. Sorry. Uh, before I get to my grade, I, I do have to mention uh, another scene that we didn't touch on here, which was a scene that Mulligan has with uh, Peter Friedman, uh, who people might recognize from HBO's uh, Succession. Oh, yeah. He plays uh, like Weinstein's. I don't know if he was like a lawyer or an associate. I, I really don't know if he was like a fixer or what, what his role was exactly. But I love that Mulligan just uses her intellect and confidence to just pry information out of him during that scene. And like her eyes are like daggers in that moment. And he just like slowly breaks down in it and gives more credibility to the story uh, and I just really, really loved watching that like psychological chess match uh, between those two uh, characters in that moment. You're talking about the scene where she guesses how many settlements. Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Exactly. That was so good. It's really, really, really well done. I, I also another like bit player who I thought was so good, and I can't believe I forgot to shout him out earlier. It was uh, Zach Grenier, or Grenier. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, as Erwin Ryder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who Zoe Kazan gets the, like, you know, the leaked uh, document from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is the the layers of, like, guilt and, like, pride and all this stuff that he's going through. Oh, he's so good. So conflicted yeah. about everything. Ugh. I, I really do believe that, like, the bit performances in this like the small uh roles but like as we were saying before there are no there are no small parts only small actors there you go and in this movie every actor is big every actor knows the assignment like dan was saying before and they all just do a really really good job it's like it i I think like low-key because i don't know if it's going to get the praise it deserves i think it's one of the best ensembles of the year i really do all right, so a great out of 10 here. Um, I would say that on uh, first viewing, I was a 7 out of 10. Uh, and a lot of that was because of just kind of like this 
uh, like I said, pessimistic feeling I had, like, like kind of leaving the the film. And, you know, Dan, Lauren and I, we, we, we talked about it at New York Film Fest. We went out to dinner afterwards and you guys, you know, kind of like walked me through how you all felt about it, wrote my review. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to give the film a second shot. And I went, and I saw it uh, a second time. And on the second viewing, um, I did not feel as strongly as I did the first time around um, because I did almost get like this kind of Hollywood patting itself on the back feeling the first time around. And the second time I, I did not feel as as strongly. So I would not say it's as good as something like Spotlight or All the President's Men. I do think it is better, though, than The Post, which is another recent journalism movie that came out that, you know, if we're just doing comparisons here. Um, and I think it's leagues better than Bombshell. Uh, so I, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 overall. Very strong, very solid movie about a very important subject, as gracefully and respectfully well told as it possibly could have been. Lauren, how about you? Yeah, I really like this movie. And if there's any negatives I have for it, it's just because of the way the film is formatted. And I think that fits the subject matter well. So I wouldn't have made it differently if I was in the position. So I'm also, I'm either a strong seven or a really weak eight. So I'm going to give it a weak eight right now. I really like it. I really recommend it. And I, guys, why aren't you seeing this movie right now? Go to the theater, see this movie. It is really good. It's really important. And I, I promise you will like it. So I'm a strong eight right now. Emma? I'm also at an eight out of 10. Um, don't know what else I can say other than, you know, fabulous performances, really respectful filmmaking done here. Um, I guess, you know, I think sometimes I feel like the pacing also got to me a little bit. So I think that's where uh, it kind of came down on for me. But just the different uh, emotional aspects of this film were just all incredible dan i'm kind of like lauren where i'm like kind of between a seven and an eight and if forced um i will sort of give it the benefit of the doubt a little and push it up to an eight because it is one of those things where it, it hasn't been that sticky in my memory exactly but whenever i have thought about it i all the the good comes to the forefront immediately so i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt a little and going uh to a eight yeah similar sentiment here as well okay from an awards standpoint we were mentioning this earlier uh i i am with dan on this 110 percent mulligan is a co-lead along with zoe kazan i see no argument whatsoever that she is considered supporting here and uh universal king of category fraud this year um, <laughs> with this and Fablemans with Michelle Williams. But I, I do wonder if it was like fully strategic on their part to split Mulligan and Williams, you know, and kind of divide and conquer, if you will, uh, with their chances for this award season with two films that they have. Um, but considering uh, where we're at right now in the season, I think that Mulligan has enough uh, standout moments in the film that she could get a supporting actress nomination for this. It, and as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of a shame that it's going to come at the expense of Jennifer Ailey getting in there. Cause I think she's missing like one extra scene that could have put her into that conversation. And Zoe, you know, we, we gave her credit before, but the performance is not, I, I it's not substantial enough to get her into the lead category. So 
I understand the strategy that Universal deployed here, even though I'm I'm pretty much against it. <laughs> it's funny because they should have done uh, Carrie lead Michelle supporting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they went the whole opposite way. <laughs> yep. Really? Ugh. I think Carrie will definitely get into the supporting actress category. I mean, I was truly transfixed by her the entire time. I don't know if she will win that category, but I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to see her name among those five nominees. I, supporting actress is such a toss-up. It's confusing. That I don't even know if it's she com- gets nominated. It's confusing. I, we don't yeah. know. We don't know if they'll change. It's, I think it's the most competitive of all the acting categories right now, by far. Yeah. yeah. There, like, there's arguments I could make for 12. Like, 15 people. Yeah, yeah. seriously. I currently have her in my top five at the moment. Same. Um, so that's where I currently stand. Yeah. And I do think it's a wonderful performance. Should I say it, Dan? Should I should I say the line? What? Okay, here's how Carrie Mulligan can still win. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Look. Matthew. She I think that if she I do think that if she does get in, and I have her like just outside my top five right now, but I think that if she does get in, it will be at least in part because of leftover goodwill from promising young woman and oh, yeah. Ha- how much everyone loved her and i kind of think that if she does get in she could be the are you gonna say she's gonna win she could be the sole representation for this movie for a win yeah Mm. you're gonna have her win well think about this for a minute if they really want to acknowledge this story and they want to really get behind showing oh this is so important to us great job ladies everyone all around Mulligan makes the most sense as being like the representative win for the movie overall, not the screenplay and certainly not in best picture. Well, I mean, it's only not the screenplay because that like there is no way women talking is loose. Yeah. That's what that's what I mean. That yeah, exactly. But I do think that this will put up. I think that because of if people do rally around this, that it could pose a serious threat to women talking. Interesting. Um, because I think that I could like, see that know, too. Emma was talking about this capture so much about being a journalist and the things that it does. It makes so many choices that are very strong in terms of tying this movie uh, in a way that respects all the people involved so well. And I think that comes from the screenplay. Yeah, but I think unfortunately... I mean, it's not going to win. No, no, no. But like, I guess what what I'm getting at here is like film critics went crazy for Spotlight because of that exact reason. Um, They really appreciated how it showed journalists doing, doing the hard work. And that movie won like every single screenplay prize you could possibly imagine from every precursor. And the critics were the ones who elevated spotlight in the end up against some really muscular competition that year for best picture so this year what i'm hearing a lot of is i'm hearing oh she said is good but it's not as good as spotlight and that right there tells me everything i need to know whether it's uh an informed opinion from uh like a misogynistic viewpoint or if it's just people saying you know yeah like listen it like uh, it's not a, it's not a personal knock. It's just I don't think it's as good. That thinking, I think, is what's going to keep it from being a screenplay winner. But as a nominee, I, I could definitely see this getting a nomination for adapted screenplay. 
It's 100% getting nominated for Adapted Screenplay. I I think even if the film misses all other nominations, it's getting in for Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. There's no way Hollywood is not going to honor this screenplay. In some way, shape, or form, they are honoring this movie. It would be a very bad look if they didn't. But I do wonder how strongly they're going to, like, push back on the feeling of, like, oh, we have to award this movie... I think a lot of times Hollywood doesn't like being told what they have to vote for. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's a really tricky line for Universal to walk with this campaign. And like, I hate to say it because it is my least favorite awards campaign line of all time. But I would love them to sort of like reclaim the phrase and be like... Honor the women, honor the <laughs> like honor the film, honor the women. I mean, come on, it's right there. Sure, I get that. I do. I will say though, also, you know, when when we first saw the film at NYFF, I think we all kind of walked away from it with this feeling of okay, certified best picture contender, Mulligan, depending on where they place her, and the screenplay. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note that, like, the other, like, people really applauded for Ashley Judd during the end credits. The other person they applauded for was Nicholas Bertel. Sure. And, you know, he's a previous nominee right now, so mm-hmm. he could be, uh, you know, considered a branch for favorite at this point. He just recently got yep. in for Don't Look Up Again. So, yeah, he could ride the wave and, you know, get in for this. I personally have him on the outside right now. But one thing that I'm starting to just kind of go back and forth on a little bit is I am like starting to get shaky on this movie getting in the 10 for best picture. I Like I have it getting. Do I have it getting in? I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, it depends on how well Avatar does. Uh, that's where I'm kind of at. I, I have, she said, like in that 9, 10, 11 position where. I'm kind of just waiting at this point for the pieces to fall fall into place uh, with Avatar to determine on whether or not I think she said gets in or not. Because what I'm what I'm worried about with this movie getting in is exactly what you said, Dan, a second ago. I am worried about potential pushback on people feeling obligated to put this in and kind of turning turning their uh, nose to it and saying, well, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. You're not going to tell me what to do. I feel like. In order to get like the Best Picture nomination, you need to have a lot of passion votes. And I'm wondering if this is the sort of film that just like is on a lot of ballots, but in like the lower half of that top ten mm-hmm. or top whatever they fill out. And I, I wonder if that's going to be enough to get it into Best Picture. I do think there will be passion for it, whether it's from. Well, yeah, but like yeah. as much as like 10 other movies i that that's that's my my question with this movie i i don't know i don't know where it's how that's going to shake out it is not currently a film that i hear a lot of people being like this is my number one favorite film of the year yeah but that that could change as time goes on yeah and more see it i don't know emma lauren like do you guys think it's like definitely in for best picture or are you also a little hesitant on it too I don't think it's definitely in, but I'm also not hesitant about it, if that makes sense. I definitely see it being in, you know, the number eight, nine, or ten section. Mm-hmm. But I'm also pretty confident on Avatar getting in. As 
you guys all know I like, <laughs> never Cameron's, doubt James Cameron. I'm James Cameron's number one girl, so like I'm always <laughs> I always had a spot secured for that one. But I I do see it making into the ten. I see it being you know on that bat bottom level, but I'm not too worried about it as of right now. I currently have it in my top ten. Um, of course, haven't seen Avatar and all of that, so maybe things will shift, but. I don't know. I feel like it's it's an important film, you know, regardless. And I definitely would like to see it getting into Best Picture just because of, obviously, the subject matter. But more so than that, truly a really well-crafted story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have other films that I could see drop out before this one. Yeah. I do, too. I definitely do. Like, I, yeah. I like I think The Whale is definitely vulnerable. Um, I think that, you know, I, I'm playing around with the idea of Netflix getting at least one film in. But if they don't, you know, like there are still a lot of ways with that bottom five that that it could go. Like to me, the top five is completely set for Best Picture. But it's that bottom five where you have. Anywhere from probably like another 10 films all kind of competing with each other to try and get in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think she said definitely can get in. I I have it just on the outside of number 11 at the moment. Uh, But if, like I said, if Netflix doesn't get a contender in, she said gets in there. If Avatar disappoints, (laughs) I know, I know. But if it does (laughs) or if the whale drops off because, you know, it just has such a divisive reaction. Although we've seen I know I was going to say we've seen films have divisive reactions with critics and still make it in. So there's there is there is still some fluidity here. Uh, All I will say is I'm not putting she said up there with the ones that I think are guaranteed to get in. That's all I'm kind of saying at this point. Yeah, it's not in your top five. But again, I'm also not too nervous about it at the current moment. Yeah. So other than Nicholas Patel, is there any other element outside of picture supporting actress screenplay or is that it for its prospects? I really think that's it. It seems like a three nominee film on its best day. Yeah. Agreed. I would agree too. I don't think I currently have it in any other categories, but I'll be nicely surprised if it does. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the surprises. (laughs) All righty. Well, that'll do it here for our review of She Said here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Emma Sasek, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet, including some of your journalism work. Yes, of course. If you would like to keep up with all things Coachella Valley related (laughs) as it relates to health, (laughs) entertainment, and pretty much anything else that I get to report on, (laughs) you can go to thedesertsun.com and see me there. Or you can go on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek or Letterbox at Emma Sasek just to get my my movie ramblings. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren LaMagna, where can I find you on the internet? As long as Twitter is still standing, you can catch me on there at the Lauren Lamango. And as long as I guess we should throw out other sites just in case, um, I'm on Instagram at Lauren Lamagna and Letterbox at Lauren Lamagna. All right, and Dan Bear. Yes, right now you can find me on Twitter at it's Dan on Film. And if you are not following my Letterbox, I am there at Tapman86. And I, I feel pretty confident that Twitter is going to stick around. It's practically a supporting character in the movie she said, you know, so <laughs> uh, you can find me at Next Best Picture 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.